Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Caitlin Eason, and this is my ABC Reflection podcast number three for Dr. J's Second Language Acquisition Class, EDBE 5653 at TWU. Um, Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoy this. Today, we're going to be talking about um, culturally relevant pedagogy and where it came from and some major components of it and how to include it into our classroom. So I want you to think about, um, while we're talking about all this, think about your own personal experience and if you've had any issues with teaching or reaching some of the students in your classroom. And these may be students who differ from you in regards to race, religion, culture, um, ability, socioeconomic status, or linguistic style. Um, And mainly we're going to be talking about African-American students, but this is also related to um, emerging bilinguals, um, really any students in your classroom who might struggle with connecting with you and connecting their home and their culture together in your classroom. Um, So think about your experiences with them and um, if you've had any difficulties, and hopefully this will help you manage those. Um, So in this article, we're discussing um, Gloria Ladson-Billings' article titled, toward a theory of culturally relevant pedagogy, um, where she explains the findings of her three-year study that she did um, when she observed, interviewed, and assessed teachers who were um, thought of as successful in teaching African-American students. Um, Throughout this study, Billings reflects on the practices and she develops culturally relevant pedagogy. And this is kind of the framework that we've talked about in the Uh, previously, but this is a little bit deeper and goes um, into three main components. But basically, CRP helps bridge the gap between home and school, um, thus aiding the teachers and um, aiding in the learning and teaching of students who differ from the norm of the society or norm of the teacher. Um, In effort to bridge students' education and home culture, Billings recommends three main factors or proposals to incorporate into the classroom. Um, And these three broad propositions um, emerge from research and they center around these three things. One, the conceptions of self and others held by culturally relevant teachers. Two, the manner in which social relations are structured by culturally relevant teachers, and three, the conceptions of knowledge held by culturally relevant teachers. And this is on page 478 of her article. Um, and these three kind of, these three propositions actually kind of lend to her advice and suggestions and how to incorporate CRP into the classroom to ensure that all of your students are benefiting from their education. And all of these ways are very practical um, because they're personal, they're meaningful for the children, they're relevant, and it's also a way for us as teachers to make sure that we are getting students' attention and we're teaching to their learning style and we're offering many opportunities for them to have a voice in our classroom. Um, So first, um, Billings asserts that our conceptions of ourselves and others help guide students' academic achievement. 
So basically what she means in this is we have to understand that our profession as a teacher or educator is important. Not only is it important um, for society, but it's important to us. We really do make a difference and our actions have consequences on our children, our coworkers, our school, and our community. And so we really have to see um, ourselves and our students in a positive light. Um, meaning we, we shouldn't focus on the negative. We shouldn't focus on, um, our student struggles. Instead, we should focus on their strengths. Um, she argues that teachers should not speak negatively about their students, but instead we should focus on the ways we can change instruction to ensure all of the students are successful. So, um, a lot of the times there are policies in schools that do not benefit, um, children who may be poor, children who maybe don't speak English as a first language, or children who maybe differ in race, like African American children. Um, and they're set like that for a reason. Sometimes it's set on purpose to oppress these groups further. And sometimes it's just because of ignorance, or maybe people don't understand who are in charge of making those policies. So, as teachers, we have to stand up for what's right and push for our students to act and change and to request that um, more equal treatment. But we also have to do that ourselves, not only in our classrooms, but in our teaching communities, our school, and our community as a whole. So um, to integrate this area of CRP, teachers should have high standards for all of their students Um, Teachers should encourage them to be risk takers. So not only can the teachers take risks and maybe not necessarily go just completely on the basis of the school's curriculum, but implement other things that kind of help go against the ideology um, that works to oppress these groups. So integrate new things. Um, And it might be a risk and things may not work out, but that's okay. And we should teach our students that it's okay to make mistakes. That's how we learn. We should also encourage our students to be problem solvers, Um, to not only just take yes for an answer or no for an answer, but to question these things and um, to push for a way that's better helping them in their lives. And we should also incorporate all of our students' community and home language into the curriculum to show our students that we view them as important and worthy. So instead of, if you're teaching a um, English language acquisition class, you could incorporate the student's home language with labeling it. You should post all of the student's artwork, learn how to say all of the children's names correctly, ask them about their culture, ask them to share it if they're willing and interested um, because we can all learn from one another. And in turn, they will learn a lot more than just having the teacher in a complete monologue all day. Um, Basically, all of this helps to intertwine school language and their culture and community, which really helps and aid um, in the teaching and learning of emerging bilinguals. Second, um, Billing believes that culturally relevant teachers create a classroom community in which the student relationships are equitable and reciprocal, meaning that the teacher must foster relationships with each student and provide them with opportunities to lead. So in my experience, um, I try and foster a relationship early on with my students and their families. I conduct home visits at the beginning of the year. I send out surveys for the parents to do 
Um, my experience has been in teaching pre-K. I've been a pre-K teacher for the past five years, and um, I've worked with many different children and families from diverse backgrounds, some differing from my own, and I want to do this in order to understand them, to understand their background, their experiences, their beliefs, um, so that way I can better teach them and change my lessons um, to be relevant to them and to be understandable for them. Um, This process ensures that the material is relevant, meaningful, and understandable, and provides each student with opportunities to play on their strengths. So I try and allow my children also to do a I do, we do kind of thing. So I will first demonstrate and then they will do it or vice versa. I will let them be the experts on what we're learning. For example, we were talking about um, dinosaurs one week and I have some children in my classroom who are enthralled with dinosaurs. They know so much about it. They know way more than I do. Um, cause it's interesting to them and they've been reading books about it since they were, you know, old enough to understand. And I let these children take the lead. I let them explain to the other classmates, um, what the dinosaurs were, other names for them, what they ate, were they herbivores, omnivores. Um, and I really let them take charge and that not only showed them that they were valued and they were capable but it allows them to take ownership in their learning in other ways. They became classroom experts. Um, And that's one of the things that Billings discusses in her paper, in her article, um, that some of the teachers allowed the students to become classroom experts where they would share about a topic that was important to them and that they felt like they were um, great at doing. And this was kind of the beginning work for them. And then they got comfortable and they understood and they felt like they were able to do it. And then in the future, they were able to apply these things into other areas. Um, another thing, um, Billing's final point was successful learners and successful teachers demonstrate positive beliefs about knowledge. Meaning they see knowledge as fluid And they see knowledge as um, something that is shared and constructed together um, and that knowledge is power. And also knowledge must be viewed critically. We can't just read an article and then take it for what it is. We have to examine it. We have to critically think about it. We have to apply it to our lives and see if it's actually going to be helpful for us. Um, Teachers must also scaffold or build bridges to facilitate learning. And I, you can scaffold by modeling and providing support in the classroom with certain things. And the last thing that she mentions about conceptions of knowledge is that assessment must be multifaceted, incorporating multiple forms of excellence. And I think this is great because in our culture now um, in America, we value tests. We teach for tests, students study for tests, and they don't really learn how to make to use that knowledge practically in their lives. Um, and practical knowledge is 100% important, not only in their actual lives as they get older and become an adults, but as they go into college and as they go into the profession of their choice. Um, so for teachers in this study, knowledge was about doing, meaning that they listen and learn from one another as well as the teacher. 
So in her article, Billing says that um, one way to, to do this is to allow students to take ownership of their learning. Um, so in order for them to be autonomous, um, she allows them to teach and learn from one another and collaborate with one another, question one another. And she encourages to them, for them to be attentive and critical thinkers and active listeners so they can um, show off their strengths and knowledge and then use that to help teach their students to help teach their classmates, I mean. Um, Another example of teachers' conceptions of knowledge was demonstrated in their critical stance that they took towards the school's curriculum. Um, This is another important area that I think um, a lot of teachers fail to do, including myself. I have been uh, nervous to speak up about curriculum and traditional practices in my school. And even though it doesn't necessarily benefit all of my students, but I was worried to speak up, especially being a semi-new teacher and not necessarily having all the credentials that I need. Um, So I I didn't stand up for them. But I'm learning through this article that we have to be willing to get uncomfortable and have difficult conversations and be a critic of our textbooks, be a critic of our state evaluations, be a critic of our board, be a credit, a critic, critic of our curriculum of the school. Um, because our students trust us and we want them to trust us, but we cannot let them down by letting the school district's policies or our classroom rules get in the way. We have to really be aware of if these rules and policies are helping our students or if they're hindering them. And if they're hindering them, then we need to push for change. We need to try out new ideas and see if it's working and test that in a a small student population group and see if it and assess it and reflect on it and see if it helps. Um, Lastly, um, another example in this category concerns teachers use of complex assessment strategies. So several of the teachers fought the students right answer right answer approach to school tasks without putting the students down um basically they a lot of students are taught to suppress their own um questions they have in their mind their own ideas and one of the teachers um posed a question and asked the students what they would thought and if the students said yes they were satisfied with the answers um she explained to them you shouldn't be Just because I'm the teacher doesn't mean I'm always right. So we have to intellectually challenge those who are facing, even if it's people in authority. But then she goes in to saying it's it's a little different in your home life because the teacher was careful to help the students understand the difference between an intellectual challenge and a challenge to authority in your home situation. Um, And this is called a code switch. And I thought this was really interesting because it actually really ties into English language learners. Um, She said that basically this was having to be able to switch between the differences in who you're talking to and where you're at. And not only is this important in the classroom, but it's important at home. And it's important for children who are maybe learning a new language or learning new cultural differences. It basically teaches them to move with facility. 
um, being able to distinguish between the two things. And that's also role switching between school and home. Um, so this only, this not only helped the students develop, um, intellectual challenges, but it also helped them to develop cold code switch and role switch, which really helped them support their attempts between, um, home and school. So basically the main point that I, um, saw that was echoed throughout this paper was that we have to, we as teachers must believe in the educability of our students. We have to believe in them. We have to know that we can support them and we need the tools in order to do so. So if we can motivate and support them to reach their goals, then we are helping them achieve and do better in their lives than what was expected of them prior. Um, In my classroom, I try to build relationships with my students and um, so I can develop curriculum that fits the needs of my diverse students. And through the use of all of her CRP framework, as stated in this article, um, we as teachers can connect with our students, identify their needs, make necessary changes, and promote the achievement of all of our students, no matter what their background is. Um, Basically, since we know our population groups of diverse students are on the rise, we need to be prepared and willing and able to understand how to fix these um, issues and how to teach them properly. We don't want to perpetuate inequalities or fail at teaching our students. Um, Because in the past, African Americans, Native Americans, and Latinos have unfortunately failed the system because schools and teachers did not have the understanding and ability and the tools needed in order to teach them. So I think as long as we as teachers are able to understand these differences and teach to them, we will be able to make a positive change for the future. I hope you were able to get some CRP principles from this um, podcast and from the article and are able to implement some of these techniques in your own classroom and tie it to ELLs. Thank you for joining me and I hope you have a good rest of the day. Thank you.